Good morning. Welcome, welcome. If we haven't had a chance uh, to meet yet, my name is Chris, and I am the lead pastor here at New Life. And one of the things that I'm trying to be more intentional about uh, this year as we head into 2018 is really infusing our teaching time together on Sunday morning with voices uh, different than my own. And so there's, there's several really primary reasons that we are choosing to, to kind of go down this path, along with a great many other churches that are beginning to do this. The first reason is that it's, um, it's primarily a very healthy rhythm for me as the lead pastor uh, to be able to have that, that kind of healthy spiritual rhythm where I can come and just be with you guys, be with my spiritual faith family and worship and sit under the teaching of other godly uh, ministers and, and just kind of be able to soak in the word instead of giving it every single week. And so it's a healthy rhythm for me. The second reason that we're going to be doing this as we head into the future is because I believe it's healthier for, for you. I think it's healthier for the, the body to be able to hear through different lenses of different personalities and experiences and, and giftings. I was joking around with a guy uh, earlier this morning. After about six or seven weeks, I'm tired of hearing myself preach. And so I'm guessing that you're probably tired of hearing me preach after six or seven weeks. So it's just a, it's a healthy pattern. It's a healthy rhythm for us, I think, as a church. And the third reason why we do this is so that we never become a personality-driven church. Um, this, is, this is big. You, we're all aware of churches around our country that have kind of been built on one guy, his teaching style, his personality. And when something happens to him, it's like a house of cards. The whole thing just kind of collapses upon itself. And so we're just convinced that the healthy pattern for us, the design that Jesus had for us as his bride, was that we would be built on nothing less than him, nothing less than Jesus, that we would never be built around one man, whether it's me or Mike or anybody else. And so in light of that, I'm excited to hear from Pastor Jonathan Jones, our community pastor, uh, this morning. And so Jonathan, I want to invite you to go ahead and come on up. I... Uh, I gave Jonathan uh, my sermon notes last night, so it's going to be really good. That's right. You clapped too soon. You hadn't heard me yet. So I'm just right? Right? Actually, that's my lead-in. So I'm just kidding. So, so right, I'm not talking about the, the word correct, but I'm talking about what happens in life when, when we really want to go right, but life really takes us left, right? So, so let, me, let me put it this way. When uh, kids, you know this, and, and if you're a parent, you know this too. When you go to the grocery store, and they have those carts with the little uh, cars on them with the steering wheels that kids can, can jump in, man, and kids get all excited about it. They get in there initially, and they're, they're just going, going off on that steering wheel, and they come to the candy aisle, and they're like, oh, yeah, and they're turning that steering wheel right to the candy aisle, and the cart's going left to the veggie aisle, and they're like, what? It's, this thing doesn't work, and then they look up, and they're like, liar. You know, so they realize really quickly, right, that, man, I have got to elevate my position in life. I got to be the grown-up pushing the cart because that's where the true power is. That's where, man, if I want to go down the candy aisle, I can't wait, cannot wait to be a grown-up because then I'll do whatever I want. I get to go down the candy aisle whenever I want to. Then we grow up, don't we? That's right. We, we grow up, and as grown-ups, we soon realize that adulting is hard. Being the one pushing the cart ain't easy. Being the grown-up 
It's difficult, preach it, sister, adulting. I don't know if that's an actual word today, but I see it all the time in the Facebook. I'm done adulting for the day. Goodbye. Right? We, we see that all the time. So adulting's hard because we all lead someone in life as a grown-up, don't we? Some of us are bosses in, in our workplace. Some of us actually are parents. Um, we're in all different kind of relationships. And even if you're in none of those scenarios, you still have to lead yourself, don't you? And it's hard to lead yourself. Nobody gives you the, you know, they say, hey, man, go, go lead yourself as a grown-up. That, but that's what you have to do. And learning to lead isn't so easy as a grown-up, is it? It's not easy to lead yourself, much less leading other people. So, man, we grow up, though, and we, we got to figure it out. we got to figure out how to lead well. And then, for those of us that have actually decided to become followers of Christ, uh, maybe we had this, this leadership way about us, and now we got to reconfigure because Christ gives us a new life and a new way to lead in life, doesn't he? And what we thought maybe was true, it's not really true anymore in terms of leading as a grown-up and leading out. And now we got to figure this thing out all over Again, and it's okay when things are going great, but we know true leadership always happens not when things are great, but when choices get made for us that we didn't really make and that we really don't like. When we thought, man, I want to go this way in life, but something unexpected happens and life sends us another way. In fact, I share this message with you guys today because I find myself right now over the past six months in particular, in some difficult adulting situations of my own. I'm having to experience this, some challenges, uh, some issues for my very own, where where choices are made for me. I didn't really make them. I don't really like them. And now I'm having to figure out what to do. And, And the more that I listen to people in my relational circles, the more that I realize I am not alone. I'm not alone. In fact, the more I hear from adults, from grown-ups, it's just one thing after another. Everybody that I talk to is going through something similar, going through some kind of issue that they're faced with a choice that they didn't make and they didn't necessarily like, and they're having to figure out how to deal with it. And I know there are people here today just like that, where you've gotten decisions handed to you, and it could be via you know, your same old boss that you have to see each and every day. And they're constantly handing you decisions that you didn't make, and you know it's not going to work, and you don't really like, and you've got to implement them anyway. Don't we? Or some of you may be in a situation today, and you, and you, find, you got a new boss. You're like, yes, new boss. And then you get to know your new boss, and you're like, man, you know, my old boss was really great. Sure do miss that guy. Sure do miss that girl. Because we get handed decisions we didn't make them, but we got to deal with them. Or we're parents, and parents, you know this, your kids, your kids make a sport out of driving you crazy in life. They, they, they hand you stuff, and they do stuff, and they try to make slime, some kind of slime, and they throw it all over your new couch. You're like, what just happened? And, par- and, and kids, the parents, you're not off the hook either, especially when, when you become older and, and you're, you're teenagers. Teenagers are realizing Smokes, man. My, my parents are handing me. To, I, I didn't make this decision, and I don't like this decision. And now you're having to figure out how to deal with that decision, aren't you? In life, and for me, if you're like me, the season that I'm going in, in right now is really not a season. Just what I'm dealing with now. Uh, just when you think you've got a little bit of cushion in, in the bank account, a car engine blows up, 
you need new brakes, I need new brakes, and a, a driver's side window just falls down in the door. You're like, fantastic. The trifecta, baby. If you're going to do it, do it all the way. Don't, don't come up short. So that's happened over the last six months. In the meantime, in that same time frame, I'm having to drive almost every weekend, me and my wife, almost every weekend to take care of an aging parent to fix up their house to sell it. And this is a house, by the way, that I had fond memories of. For 30 years, our entire families had fond memories in this home. And because of what I've been having to deal with, I just want the thing to burn to the ground. But enough about me. Like, no, please, continue. Adulting is hard, isn't it? When we're handed decisions that we don't make and we really don't like, what then? How do we lead like Christ in those moments? In those situations, how are we to step forward and become leaders in Christ the way that we know we should be leading as followers of Christ? How does that happen? And full disclosure, I've been struggling. Listen, the last six months I've been struggling. I've been struggling to lead like Christ in, the, in, that, in those situations that I just talked about. Because if I'm not careful, I start taking my cues, my leadership cues from the pundits out there and from the poor leaders in my life. And you know the ones I'm talking about, don't you? Because if you're not careful, you do it too. That means that we start blaming the person or the circumstance that's happening. See, it's easy to start with the person or the circumstance that we think all our problems are coming from, isn't it? That's where we like to start. Man, it's their fault. All the stuff is because of them. I didn't make this decision, and I don't like it, and it's all their fault. And listen, all that may be true. All that may be true. But before we consider today what's happening to us, how about we start with what's happening in us? How about that? And that was a hard lesson for me. It was a good reminder for me. I was like, Jonathan, you're just so focused on what's happening to you, brother. Maybe you ought to look at what's happening in you. So, turn with me to Psalm 139, or look up on the screen. This is probably a familiar passage, um, Psalm 139, 23 through 24. It's actually one of the first uh, scripture passages that I ever memorized, and it's one of my favorites. Um, And it's one I go back to constantly in life as a grown-up, to remind myself of what's inside of me and what God's wanting to do inside of me. So listen to what the psalmist says. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We don't, we don't like to do any of that, do we? We don't like to start there when it comes to learning how to lead, do we? Search me, God. What we're saying is, hey, okay, fine. Open up my heart, creator of the universe. See what's in there because we know all that anxiety that's happening from what's happening to us. We know a lot of times there's some stuff going on inside of us that we may not even realize. It's make, making us anxious and we need to deal with it. We, and to, to, to do that, we've got to open it up. We've got to stop and say, God, search me out. Let me know. Make me aware of what's going on inside of me that's really the issue. The thing that's really causing me anxiety. Test me. And it says grievous here, but, but I like, actually like the translation that says, Man, see if there's any offensive way in me. What, what am I doing here in the mix? How am I being offensive toward others in this scenario? And man, we don't, we don't like to self-examine, do we? But man, if we're going to be Christ followers that lead out, we have got to invite in self-examination. 
before we can take that lead and now be ready to, to lead out in the way everlasting, and we've got to open ourselves up for some self-examination. We've got to be willing to say, man, open me up, God. Find out what's really going on. Let me start with me and what's inside of me. And it's often not the first place that we go, and sometimes it's the last place that we go if we go there at all. And we're, we're, you guys are going to be missing out when it comes to leading as a grown-up in Christ if you don't go there. See, we find ourselves in hard adulting situation, and self-examination is required, and, and it's an important, and, and it's a great place to start to find out what's really going on inside of us and to find out if we're... And I, I, I know you wouldn't. I know nobody here would ever offend somebody else and be doing anything offensive, but it's a great place to begin. But it's not... You don't just end it there. You don't just leave it there after some really good self-examination. Um, now, now we need to actually identify ourselves, remind ourselves who we really are as a person, don't we? We need to remind ourselves about our identity because it's easy to start second-guessing our decisions in those scenarios. It's easy to allow, to start listening to, to other people, judging us based on our performance, how we're handling life in all those situations. They don't know how hard it is. They don't know what's really going on. So we start listening to all these other people. It's easy to do that. But listen, God wants you to remember that your performance might affect your paycheck. But hear this, it shouldn't affect your value in life as a person. Guys, we are human beings, not human doings. That's, that's how we were created to be. And as, as adults, guys, when we get behind the cart, we're pretty hard on ourselves, aren't we? We, we, we feel like when these situations happen, especially those, those that have a predisposition for this as, as grown-ups in Christ, man, we got to fix every problem, solve everything. we got to do it in just every perfect way. And, man, we can beat ourselves up because we start evaluating how we're doing as a human, not how we're being as a human. Remember, it's who you are, not what you do, that brings true value and worth in your life. Don't allow other circumstances, other people to define your worth. All we've got to do is back up a few verses in Psalm 139 to remind us of our true identity. And in Psalm 139, verse 14, it says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. That may be another one you've, you've heard before. But guys, as a human being, you, everybody that's born is fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. That's who you are. That, that's your value. You've been created in a wonderful way in the image of God. And for those people that have made that decision to trust in Christ as their Lord and Savior, guess what? Now they've been bought, they get redeemed, and you get a brand spanking new life now. And the old is gone and the new is here, and now you get a new life. And that's who you are. That's your identity. Not what you do. It's just based on who you are and Christ in you. And if nobody has ever thrown a party for you, just for you being you, if you've never had any party or anybody get excited about you, guess what? The angels in heaven and God himself, they throw parties. They are excited. They rejoice and they celebrate you. They celebrate every son and daughter that finally comes home. So know, understand, when, when you're going through those hard adulting situations, that your value is not based on how you handle it, what you do, 
of what people think you're doing. It's based on your worth, your true worth, and your true value in Christ. So as a, as a Christ follower, when we go through those kind of adversities in life, it is important. It's, it's important to stop and take a minute and do some self-examination, even though that's the last thing that we want to do. We'd just rather say, man, it's their fault. It's their fault this has happened to me. So take some time, open up your heart to God and, and, and see what gets revealed. See what's really making you anxious. See what's really going on. See if there's an offensive way in you. But, but in conjunction with that, at the same time, be reminded, thank God that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank God that we are new people in Christ under his banner. Thank God that he removes all of that away because it's important to understand what's happening in us so that now we can actually start to deal with what's happening to us, right, as grown-ups. It doesn't get any easier, does it? All that stuff when we leave it, it's going to be there, so, so it's important. We've got to figure out what's going on inside of us so that we can lead like Christ in order to be able to handle the stuff that's going to keep happening to us. So consider this. Uh, today, what, what I really want us to, to, to do is to look at three specific examples in Scripture that people, three people that had choices, had things handed to them that they didn't make and that they didn't necessarily like. And I want us to look at those examples and apply them to our life today and see how they let out when they were in those circumstances that they couldn't control and that they didn't cause and that they didn't like. So the first person I want us to take a look at today is the life of Joseph. And you may have heard of Joseph uh, before, um, but I want us to start by looking just at, at a summary uh, of the life of Joseph that the writer gives in Acts. In Acts chapter 7, starting with verse 9, uh, this is what he says. He says, And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. Now let me stop there for a minute. I'm going to come back to that. There's, he's summarizing here, but there is way more to that story. So it says, But God was with him, God was with Joseph, and rescued him out of all of his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan and great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. I'm going to stop you there. Remember that term, our fathers. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. If you go back, if you want to uh, find out the rest of the story about Joseph, you can go back in Genesis and, uh, and, and read all about it. But let me just give you my version real quick, what was happening right here. Listen, Joseph, uh, his brothers, hundreds of years ago, they were jealous of him. His brothers were jealous, so you know what they decided to do? Students, they decided to sell him into slavery, like any normal brother and sister would do, right? No, initially they wanted to kill him. And another brother talked him out of that, and they said, how about this? How about we just sell him into slavery? All right, a win for Joseph. He dodged the bullet, but he got sold into slavery. He got sold into slavery, got sent into Egypt. Things happened. He ultimately got put in prison for years. Finally, that's what you hear right here. Finally, he ends up, because God is working all this behind the scenes, he ends up as the second in command right, right behind Pharaoh of all of Egypt, of all the land. So years have gone by now. Think about the hurt. Think about the pain if your brothers and sisters sold you into slavery. Years have gone by, and now there's a famine in the land, so 
The dad, daddy sends his boys to go find food. Like everybody else, they're starving. So, of course, they don't recognize Joseph, but you can better believe he recognizes them. That's something you never forget. So what do you think? What would you do? He had the power, guys. Listen, he could have killed them all and not suffered any consequences by man. He could have killed them all. What would you have wanted to do in that time frame? Everything at this point, all that stuff had happened to him. He didn't want it, and he didn't like it. And now he's in this position. He had a power. He was in a position of authority. He could have wiped them out. You know what he did? Yes, he was angry. Yes, he was mad. And he also cried over and over again. He wept. He'd have to leave the room and weep because he was so hurt, because he was so sad. You know what else he did? He missed his little brother. All these years, all this time, guys, you know, come on, you know that when family, no matter what they do to you, no matter how awful they treat you, there is still something there in there. He missed his little brother. I don't know how he felt about his other brothers. But what he ultimately did is he forgave them each and every one. And you know why? He was able to do that even though he had been handed, he, his life had gone left when he would have just rather it gone right. He was able to do that because he saw something beyond himself. What he said to them was, listen, you guys, you're off the hook here. God was doing something beyond me and beyond you. Well, that is, could you have done it? Could you have done that and responded like Joseph in the end? He recognized that through all of that, man, all this went beyond him and his family. And he led like Christ. And so consider Paul, you flip over several hundred years later from, from Joseph, and in Philippians chapter 1, Paul, if you don't know, he, he wrote a lot of the New Testament uh, letters to churches. This is another letter in Philippians. It's a letter to the church at Philippi. And, and if you read about Paul, you, you find out, man, he's always, like, getting in trouble. He's, he's always, like, shipwrecked or getting thrown in prison. You're like, all right. So, so, again, all stuff that he didn't want. He didn't like, yes, pick me. I would love to go to prison. That is exactly what I wanted to happen today. no. So, so he finds himself in these scenarios, and that's where we find him in these verses. In chapter 1, he's writing to the, the church at Philippi, and he says this, I want you to know, brothers, church at Philippi, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, how would you start the sentence if you were thrown in prison? Get me out of here. Do whatever you can, brothers. Form the party. Get people together. Get me out of here. I'm falsely in prison, is my guess on how I would respond and you would respond. But right away, Paul says, hey, I want you guys to know that what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What a leader. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having been confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Man, something was handed to, handed to Paul that he didn't want. And I'm sure he didn't like it. And, the, and, and as he writes, he says, listen, there is something happening here beyond me. Man, my chains, they are causing people to pro- proclaim the gospel without fear. And man, almost everybody in this joint, they've come to know the Lord because of this. So man, what do we do? Get me out of here. Get me out of here. It's their fault I'm in jail. It's their fault I'm in prison. It's your fault that I'm not out of here. Right? 
And consider, consider this, that, that you, you may be thinking that, well, yeah, well, Joseph had a special title, and that was a special circumstance. And Paul, he, had this, he was the apostle, and he had this special title and this authority and this position in life. And maybe that's true. And maybe he thought that, man, you know, the church at Philippi, they could be thinking the same thing. Well, we're just average folks, Paul. We sure can't act like you. So flip over to chapter 2, people. And he didn't let them off the hook either. He says, listen, the reason I'm able to live like this, the reason that I'm, 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 not, I'm able to, to not make it all about me and my worries and my troubles is this. Because I follow the third person that I want to talk about today is Christ. And in verse 3, he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And he didn't stop and say, you know, only the, only the people that do nice things to you should you behave that way. What he said is just, man, you, you've got you to gotta understand that, that you've got to treat others with humility, even, even the, the ones that bring you harm and that make choices that you don't like. You've got to respond, respond with humility. You've got to actually stop your selfish ambition and conceit. And he says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Guys, if you want to know how to learn to lead in those kind of scenarios as adults, just take your lead from the master. You don't have to be a special person or in a special circumstance in order to lead like Paul and Joseph. He's saying, listen, it... Christ is in you, so this is, you have the ability to do this. You have the ability to not be so selfish. You have the ability to see beyond your circumstances. That's what I'm doing now, and that's what you can do as well. Listen, guys, if, if you think every day, man, well, I, I sure will do that, Jonathan, when I become boss. I sure will do that when, I, when I'm grown up. You, listen, your position and title in life, while it may give you authority over others, it doesn't make you a leader. You know what makes you a leader? Regardless of your position, regardless if you're 8 or 80, what makes you a leader is this. Whatever your lot in life is, if you're responding by valuing others over yourselves in humility and looking at their interest over yours, regardless of what they're doing to you, that's how you know you've become a leader in Christ. And that is how I knew I was not doing that. So all three of these people led in humility by valuing the interests of others more than their own. And man, that is hard to do, especially when there's stuff getting done to us that we don't like. When tough, adulting things happen to you, though, consider this, guys. Consider that God might care more about doing something in you so that he can accomplish a purpose beyond you. That's how you become a leader in Christ, an adult well. Listen, none of this stuff that we're talking about today, none of that will make your boss a better boss. None of this today will, will make your parent love you more. None of it will. But you know what it will do? The others around you that see you, that are watching you, it will help them discover how to lead like Christ when they become grown-ups or if they're grown-ups right now. 
and they haven't been leading like Christ. When others see you respond and you're in your whatever chain it might be and they see you respond like that, they're going to say, holy cow, how is that happening? How is he not angry? How are they not blaming their, their circumstances? How are they not blaming that other person for all the stuff that's happening to them? How are they not blaming God? Don't forget as you learn to lead out like Christ, don't forget to consider what Christ may be doing in you to serve a purpose that's beyond you because to lead like Christ in hard situations, you should consider the example that you're setting for those that are watching you. Guys, listen, your coworkers are watching you. Your kids are watching you. Your brothers and sisters, they're watching you. Your friends, your family, your neighbors, those outside the church, they are watching you. They are watching to see how you're going to handle things. Guys, Paul wrote this letter to the, primarily to the house churches at Philippi because there was dissension going on. Imagine that, dissension going on in the church. There, there was adulting going on, and specifically, he, he names two women leaders this time. It's usually, it's usually the men, right? There's two women leaders in chapter 4, verse 2. He says, listen, get your act together, leaders in Christ. Yes, you're not agreeing right now. Yes, some, some tough stuff's happening to you right now. And oh, by the way, I'm writing to, the, to this to you while I'm in chains in prison. You good for nothing grown-ups in Christ. Right? Who's watching you right now? Who's been watching you for years say that you're a leader in Christ, follower of Christ? It doesn't matter what you do, really, when things are good, because you, you typically behave yourselves when you get to go right in life, don't you? Guys, leadership happens when you go left. And it's not a season in life as a grown-up. That is life. And that's how you handle being a leader like Christ in life. When you get things handed to you, choices made for you that you didn't make, man, that you don't like. And as I invite the band to come up today, if, if you're sitting here uh, right now, and you're, at, you're outside, you're an outsider looking in. Uh, maybe you've never really been to church before. Maybe you've never really made that decision to, to put your faith and trust in Christ. And, but you're sitting here today, and thump, something is reverberating. Something is vibrating in your heart today and in your soul today. If you're wondering, why would this message from an ancient text reverberate in my heart and soul today. It's because this message is for you too. The first step in learning to lead well is to give up, is to admit you have a problem and to say, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I've got to give up my life to somebody, to a God that has fearfully and wonderfully created me. If that's where you are today, we'd be happy to talk to you more about what that means and how you can follow Christ every step of the way so that you too can struggle with these verses to say, man, I've got to actually now start caring about people's, other people's interests. I've got to start valuing other people even when I'm going through crap. And it's hard. And today, at this moment, and that is... You know, a message like this comes because I was not leading like Christ. I mean, I, 
I saw it. So, be reminded today that, hear, hear this, there is no circumstance, there is no person on this planet that can ruin your life or fix your life. Guess who gets to do that? You do. That, that little tidbit belongs all to you. I don't care what has happened to you. I don't care what's going to happen to you. You have probably got worse things happening to you right now than I do. But there is not a person on this planet, there is not a circumstance that's ever going to happen to you that can ruin your life or fix your life. That's all on you. That's all on you. And so my prayer is that, that when we find ourselves in those hard, adulting situations in life, that we would allow our hearts to be opened and to invite self-examination in. That we would start with ourself. That's the person that all the problems come from, by the way. Start with ourselves every, each and every time. Find out what's really going on inside your heart. Find out, man, is there something offensive in me that I sure do need to lay down? And be reminded there's hope. Don't, don't beat yourself up too hard because remember, you're not human doings. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're a human being. And God throws parties for, for you, just for you. And look back, look back at these examples that have been set of people that have gone through life just like you as adults and have responded, it can, it can be done. They actually responded by, by saying, God is doing something in me because there is a purpose that's greater beyond me that, man, I, I don't even know everything about. And you can respond that way because others are watching you to see, man, how are you going to respond? When you get handed things that you don't like, decisions that you didn't make, and really don't know how to handle them. So con consider all of this today as you leave this, this place today and as you go back and you fully engage in blown up car engines and aging parents and whatever it is, whatever else you have going on in your life. Beloved, let me pray for you. Let me pray a prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Philippi hundreds of years ago that I think still applies for us today. So, so would you join me in prayer as we go out and, and do some adulting today? Let's pray. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and the praise of God.